My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Amanda about endometriosis. This is a disease of the major reproductive organs in which the tissue that normally grows inside the uterus, called endometrium, grows outside of the uterus. According to the mayoclinic.org, with endometriosis, the endometrial-like tissue acts as endometrial tissue would. It thickens, breaks down, and bleeds with each menstrual cycle. But because this tissue has no way to exit the body, it becomes trapped. When endometriosis involves the ovaries, cysts called endometriomas may form. Surrounding tissue can become irritated, eventually developing scar tissue and adhesions, bands of fibrous tissue that can cause pelvic tissues and organs to stick to each other. And of course, one of the major symptoms of this condition is extreme pain. Endometriosis is often confused with other conditions that can cause pain, or the painful symptoms are ignored because the doctor is assuming that the patient is just having a painful menstrual cycle and refuse to look deeper into the situation. This can lead to people suffering for years without a proper diagnosis. Amanda started seeking care at 19 years old when her first ovarian cyst ruptured, and she wasn't diagnosed with endometriosis until she was 29. She had a partial hysterectomy at 30 years old and told she was cured, but this was not true. She didn't find out she wasn't cured until she was 39, so now we're looking at a 20-year gap until she finally found care that was appropriate for her condition. While research into the cause of endometriosis is ongoing, there does seem to be a correlation between abuse and endometriosis. An article from Healthline.com cites that researchers found that there was a 79% increased risk of being diagnosed with endometriosis compared to individuals who had not been abused in childhood. And as you will hear during this episode today, Amanda lived through horrific abuse as a child, sexual, psychological, and physical abuse at the hands of the people who were supposed to be caring for and protecting her. And this conversation was an incredibly raw and open look into what it was like to grow up with this amount of abuse and to not only have to deal with the, with the psychological scarring of living through that, but also having to deal with the fact that that abuse left permanent damage to her body. It left behind a disease that she has had to deal with since 19 years old. And like most people with any chronic illness, she's also had to deal with intense medical gaslighting and being accused of drug-seeking behavior when she was simply trying to get help for the intense amount of pain that she was in. Amanda's story is very disturbing, and this episode definitely warrants a content warning. Uh, Amanda will give you a warning herself in the very beginning that she likes to curse, so this is full of colorful language. But beyond that, the topic, the subject matter is very disturbing. We go very in-depth about abuse and what Amanda has lived through, and it is horrific. I am so grateful to Amanda for sharing her story on the podcast. It made for an intensely powerful episode. Uh, it is riveting to listen to, and she did an absolutely phenomenal job. But I want to make sure that, you know, as a duty of care, as the host of this podcast, I want to make sure that if you are listening to this in a vulnerable place, uh, that you have a warning that this is an intense episode and you need to protect yourself first. The world is so intense right now. Things are just feeling like they're flying out of control uh, from so many different angles, and there's just so much 
injustice and fear and horrible things happening here in America and around the world. So I, you know, I want this podcast to be a place where we come together and support each other through our difficult experiences with chronic illness that we're living through. And I know from experience that just being able to speak these things aloud in a in a format where other people will listen and care can be so powerful, and this episode is absolutely that today. There is so much power and catharsis in speaking up about abuse that, that we have lived through, and Amanda really did that in this episode. Such a brave uh, confrontation of her past on this episode. And I have spoken with her a bit, we've corresponded a bit since recording this episode, and I know that it was a very positive experience for her. And there's also a beautiful love story in this episode in that she and her husband have been together since they were teenagers. And, you know, they have built a beautiful life together. And Amanda is a true survivor. So, this is, you know, full of horrific things that has happened to Amanda, but it, it is also the story of a true survivor. And it is a really uh, wonderful episode that I'm thrilled to share with you. So, we'll get into it in just a couple minutes. Thank you so much to our community of listeners on Patreon who help support this podcast and make it possible every week. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers who have signed up at the highest tier to support this podcast, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Once a month, I sit down with my partner, Andy, to record a bonus episode for everyone who has signed up on Patreon. And that episode just came out uh, a day or two ago as this episode is released. And it was a very interesting bonus episode. So I'll give you a quick update on what's going on in our lives. Andy is a performer and she is in a starring role at the Fifth Avenue Theater production of Afterwards, a new musical here in Seattle. Afterwards is set to open this Friday, and during a rehearsal a couple of days ago, Andy had a vocal injury and actually suffered a tear in her vocal cords. We have since learned that she has a sinus infection, and she had a really bad sneeze and experienced some weird sensations and the loss of her upper singing register after that sneeze, so the doctor believes that that sneeze did in fact cause a tear. So she is recovering and is unable to use her voice at the moment. Uh, she can speak. It is just much safer for her to completely rest her voice and let this tear heal. She is expected to make a full recovery, but unfortunately she is going to have to miss a few shows. And it's been very upsetting, very traumatic, uh, very untimely vocal injury. So Andy was unable to talk during our podcast recording, but I, she's been using a text-to-speech app on her phone. So it's basically a podcast of me talking with a robot. <laughs> Andy would just type out what she wanted to say and hold it up to the microphone and let this text-to-speech bot speak for her. So it was an interesting challenge to record this bonus episode, but we had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I also gave an update on my journey searching for a diagnosis. There's a few small updates. Uh, we've had a few ab abnormalities in some of my test results, but still nothing that is, you know, a smoking gun pointing in a uh, a distinct direction, but we have started sort of exploring different options, exploring different medications, and not just looking for a diagnosis, but also trying to improve my quality of life. And there have been some things that have helped a little bit, so I'll go into detail on that on the bonus episode. And of course, as soon as I have concrete information to share, Andy and I will do a regular episode of the podcast to catch up everyone who listens. Uh, but if you want to get ahead of the curve and learn a little bit about a little more about what's going on in this process, you can hear that in this week's bonus episode. 
And also talking a little bit about, uh, you know, my situation just being an ambulatory wheelchair user where some days I need a wheelchair and other days I don't, and how that has kind of altered my identity in a way, and some thoughts about, you know, chronic illness and identity, the intersection of the two, and how important it is to integrate things into your identity without having them define who you are. So it was a really interesting discussion between me and a robot, and I'm excited to share it with all of the Patreon community this month. If you are interested in signing up to gain access to our bonus episodes, special gifts, and special recognition here on the podcast, you can head to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast to find all the information. You can sign up for as little as $2 per month, and that does get you access to all of the bonus episodes. You can find all the ways to support this podcast at our website, majorpainpodcast.com slash support, and that includes leaving us positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else where you can find our show that is immensely helpful with helping the show to reach new audiences. And if you'd like to support the show with a one-time donation, you can find us on PayPal using the email address majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to write to me. I love hearing from listeners, and I may share your email on the next episode of the podcast. I'll remind you before we get into our discussion with Amanda today that we are not medical professionals. We have no medical training. You know, I try very hard to give you accurate information to the best of my ability, but because I have no medical training, uh, you know, my teacher is Google, and we all know how unreliable Google has a tendency to be. So please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we will jump into our discussion with Amanda about endometriosis. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat. We were connected through a mutual friend, and we just talked a little bit, and from what I can tell, your story is going to be absolutely fascinating. Thank you, and I um, feel the need to say I curse a lot, so I know that you, <laughs> like, we already addressed this, and people won't really care. Um, however, like, not safe for work. Just assume this entire episode is not safe for work, because... Uh, how I got my disease is traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for letting us know. <laughs> yeah, I, I recently was uh, listening to an episode of my old podcast where I used to curse constantly. I, I try not to on this show just because, you know, this right. is my personal choice. I have no problem at all with my guest cursing, but it's just, it's been, I, I am someone who used to curse constantly and I've realized that I've kind of stopped and it's weird. I'm like, what's happening? Am I getting older? I stopped too, <laughs> but then I stopped talking. And when I stopped talking, I stopped figuring out the damage that had been done to me as a minor and how I could fix it and be a better parent mm. for my kids. Yeah. Well, absolutely feel free. Let it, let okay. it, let it, let it fly. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so Amanda, why don't we get to know you a little bit before we jump into your health journey? So why don't you tell us about yourself? Okay. So I always start it with, this one time at band camp, <laughs> I met the love of my life and we um, fooled around a little bit too much because we grew up in churches and we did not have access to sex ed. And unfortunately, I got pregnant at 16 Wow! and uh, we were almost forced to make life choices that I didn't want to make. And I ended up keeping my son the summer before my senior year. So I still had a whole year left of high school and his daddy joined the military and 
we got married when we were minors and couldn't even buy um, whiteout in our state yet. You had to be 18. And uh, I, I ran away three days after I graduated high school. He and I went where the military sent us. And we have two amazing children. They're adults now. And uh, we've built this beautiful life for ourselves full of art and friends and uh, healthy journeys while we figure out how to be adults because the people we had in our lives as children didn't show us how. Mm. And I have learned so much being online and chatting with people uh, because I started doing that when we lived in Japan and I was lonely and my husband was deployed and I've just, I've kept doing it. So I'm a chatterbox that likes to (laughs) take her horrific pain and turn it into something awesome. And I like to remind people that they don't have to take the abuse that they're living with in the moment and that there's always someone like me who is out there um, ready to rush into their aid with a bat and hit the person that's hurting them. <laughs> so I've, I've had a week of having my friends reach out and tell me how amazing I am because I started talking about my disease and what causes it. Um, I just had major surgery my abuser died on my birthday in March and you're supposed to be sad when your mama dies, but nobody told me she was dead and I had my best birthday ever. Hmm. And then when I I found out the next day, I was just like, ah, finally she's gone and I can breathe again. So it's been such a 2022. I cannot even believe it's only April and all of this life has happened to me. And now I get to talk to you uh, right after I've figured out more of my disease and I can tell other women or other people because it's not just a women's disease. I can tell other people what I've learned about myself, what might have caused it, um, the massive full body issues I've had for more than two decades and the impact that being in so much pain has had on me while I was raising my children. Yeah. Um, That's amazing that you, so, yeah. you pregnant at 16, got married as a minor, and you're still together? Yeah. It's our 22nd anniversary, wow. um, wedding anniversary this August. But we actually just had our 23rd together anniversary because um, I asked my dad if I could have a boyfriend for my 16th birthday, and that man was not paying attention to me. So he didn't think there was anybody offering. And he said, yes. So I've always counted it as that my birthday is when I got my husband since he was my best <laughs> birthday present. Um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he is, people often grow apart when you get together that right. young. Oh, absolutely. Um, and when you have children so young, when you have the kind of abuses we both have on both sides of our family, um, we, when I look back, I cannot believe we survived what we survived. And he is still just one of the kindest, most compassionate men I've ever met. And I am just so fucking delightful. So (laughs) what a great marriage. Wow. (laughs) Wow. It sounds like you're going through a lot all at once. It sounds like you've been through a lot. So let's get into this. Yeah. I want to hear about it. So Amanda, what is your major pain? My major pain is called endometriosis. And, um, it impacted my whole body. So I know I was supposed to talk about one pain, 
but that's my body. My major pain is my body because endometriosis affects internal everything and it can also impact your mind. Yeah. Um, and you can talk about as many pains as you want. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. <laughs> uh, so endometriosis is a disease of the major reproductive organs. And it's when your uterine lining goes outside of your uterus and sets up shop around the rest of your organs. So it might be like packing peanuts in one area, but it might be like a steri strip drawing stuff together that shouldn't be together. And something that I recently learned is that endometriosis is 10 times more painful than normal menstrual cramps. And menstrual cramps, according to a new science study, are as painful as heart attacks. So in my mind, endometriosis is 10 times more painful than a heart attack. And I've been living with it for over 20 years. What, what does the pain feel like? Um, sometimes it's just like your whole body aches and I had bloating and like inflammation. Um, and sometimes it's like somebody is just knifing me from the inside. Um, in some type of internal area. Usually my lower right side, I had a lot of um, endometriosis blobs there. So it was on like my nerves and it just felt like into my body with a a knife. And it's just horrifically painful, man. And I'm such a bitch sometimes (laughs) and I can't help it because I, it's, it's so much pain. Um, And then sometimes you get like an ovarian cyst and it ruptures. And when I had that at 19 and was pregnant with our second child, I thought I was in labor because I didn't know how far along I was yet. And my military doctors told me, nope, it's just a ruptured cyst and we can't do anything because you're pregnant. So have a nice day and gave me no pain management. And now when I tell other women who have had one they're just like that's horrific how could they do that to you no pain management they just sent you home um yeah so it's just it's a lot of gaslighting and horrifically awful pain that when you try to describe it to people they're like oh no that's part of being a woman like yeah no being a woman shouldn't be this painful yeah, I, this is something that I, so I know very little about endometriosis. I'm excited to learn more, but this is something okay. that I have heard is that doctors often don't believe individuals who complain of this extreme pain. Um, yeah. Like doctors often don't believe women. And like you said, you know, this isn't necessarily just a woman's disease. You know, a transgender man could also have yes. endometriosis. Um, and that's got to be even worse because now they got to deal with all the shit I got to deal with. And being misgendered because so many people say it's a women's disease. So I recently learned trans people go to get help and they're constantly called she and her. Mm-hmm. And like that has to keep them from getting care if you're going to have body dysmorphia and gender I- misidentity. Right. Um, well, how are you supposed to trust your doctor when they won't even yeah, identify call you, with you by your, your own gender, you know? Yeah, but we're mm. we're going to focus on you today. So Okay. Yeah, so when were you when were you diagnosed? It sounds like maybe not for a long time. <laughs> not for a long time. So, uh 19 is when I had my first ruptured ovarian cyst. We moved to Japan 
Um, and I had a child there and on, on a military base. And I had a lot of pain that didn't get diagnosed until about 29. And then I had a partial hysterectomy at 30. And my woefully incompetent dipshit doctor that I am going to go after now um, told me a hysterectomy would cure my endometriosis. And uh, so for the next nine years until now, I have had endometriosis return. And I didn't know it because I thought it was cured. Hmm. So I only recently found out that the cure I endured nine years ago screwed up my body more and also didn't fix my endometriosis. So I would say diagnosed finally at 30, but addressed at 39. Wow. Yeah, that's so, got to be so frustrating to so frustrating. like levels of gaslighting upon gaslighting. Yeah. And then every time you go into the doctors and you say, hey, I've got this pain, they say, eh, are you sure? Is it as bad as you think you have it? Because every woman has pain. Um, and I know from like my experience with the military that eventually they labeled me a drug seeker and mm -hmm. said my chronic daily headaches were all in my head. And when I got civilian care, the civilian said, oh, sweetie, you have TMJ. You just need braces and we can fix this. Hmm. So if they couldn't even diagnose my TMJ appropriately and I returned all prescription drugs when they didn't work for me. So how am I a drug seeker? I, I can't trust any of my medical records from them because they're also incompetent. And uh, I think it makes me a little bitter. So I keep talking about it so that other women can see themselves in me earlier in my journey and go see a specialist because I should have seen a specialist sooner. Most doctors are not educated enough on my disease to treat the women they're treating. And also additionally, they are too caught up in being smart to realize they are uneducated on the topic and need to pass it on to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So they're out there hurting other women who think they're getting good care. And really, we all just need to start being angry about it and asking for more yeah. from better people. So um, I'm so glad I get to do a podcast with you because the last month has been so rough. And I know at least two dozen women that are talking to their doctors now. And that's just me talking on my Facebook wall. So if I can have that impact for those people by talking about how awful it is, maybe a podcast or something will do even more. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I also, <laughs> Me too. I, uh, I know someone who has been posting on Instagram about just having surgery for endometriosis. And apparently um, they've had quite a bit of stuff going on for a long time. That's been extremely painful and doctors just would not mm -hmm. believe them. And no, yeah, it's, um, th this is, it's, it's really upsetting. You know, I, I think for anyone, like for me being undiagnosed, I'm always having to prove that I'm feeling something because they can't find the the proof of it. But it's for me, I just, right. I just keep saying, well, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Like, let's keep right. looking until we find something because I'm experiencing it. Is, is that kind of the feeling you were having that like people were, Absolutely. doctors were checking you out, but not necessarily looking in the right place? Yeah. Um, and part of that, it absolutely 
And part of that is because the only surefire way to diagnose some endometriosis is laparoscopic surgery. Hmm. They have to physically go inside of you to see it. And they really have to root around because um, endo can hide. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors will say, well, you need a transvaginal ultrasound where they put the ultrasound inside your vagina and root around to see if they can see something. And sometimes they can, but there's only certain types that show up that way. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say, well, we did this vaginal ultrasound and now we're, we're positive. You don't have the endometriosis, but how would you know? You only saw something that can see it sometimes. So So they try a lot of tests and then they say, well, you don't have this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just your word saying, well, I'm in excruciating pain. Can we do more? And oftentimes the answer is no. Yeah, the answer is, uh, well, we don't want to take out your reproductive organs in case you want to have children later, or we don't want to take out your ovaries because we don't want to make you look like a little old woman. Your husband won't want to stay married to you. What? <laughs> yeah, I hmm, I wanted it all taken out in in my early 30s, 30 when I had it done. And the doctor told me that we should leave my um ovaries because i needed them for the hormones and otherwise i might become an old woman and my husband would leave me Uh, that's shocking i mean the the gender bias in medicine is extremely upsetting like saying something like that to someone is just insanely unprofessional oh it was so unprofessional and i know now that i should have been on birth control um hormone patches because you're your normal menstrual cycle hormones help make the endometriosis grow. So if you make it so the cycle is just a flat line, the endometriosis can't grow. It's like if you have weeds in your garden and it starts raining every so often, the weeds grow really fast. Endometriosis is the same way. Hmm. And that doctor also did not put me on hormones. So, uh, because it might impact my sex life with my husband. Like, <laughs> but it this all is your comes choice. down to, yeah, what does it mean for your husband's dick when it goes in your body? Let's focus on that. And wow. I'm just like, can we focus on how my body hurts? Because frankly, a dick's a dick and they're replaceable. So <laughs> I got to ma- take care of me first, man. Are these male doctors? Yes, they're always male doctors and they always get so upset when I'm flippant with them or I stand up for myself because I don't think men of a certain variety can handle women saying, justify to me why you are saying you are correct about something. And they see it as you challenging them. And I saw it as I need to understand what's wrong with me mm-hmm. so that I can explain it better to other people. And they can be, I don't know, maybe a little more understanding that Amanda's a raging bitch sometimes and she's just in a lot of pain. And maybe you should give her a cookie and a bathtub. <laughs> um, Which is the cure for everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So ways I dealt with my pain when I didn't know what I had. I took a lot of um, Epsom salt baths, and I recently learned that endometriosis can cause you to be magnesium deficient, Mm. and Epsom salts have magnesium in them. So if I was taking three-hour magnesium baths, 
yes, that would help my endometriosis feel better. Wow. Um, or the heat pad and then the cold. And I did a lot of fixing the surface level pain without knowing how to deal with the internal actually source of the problem pain. Yeah. Well, when you're not getting help from anyone that you're asking for help from, yeah. you got to do something because, you know, when you're in that much pain, you, you, you have to try anything you can. And it sounds like you accidentally stumbled into something that was, that could be scientifically proven to be helpful once you know what the right. answer is. Um, right. Yeah. That's something that I think about all the time. It's like, I've tried so many things and I've had things work for a period of time and then stop working. I've had a bunch of things just never work. I've had other things that I couldn't tell if they're working or not. And it's just like, right. I just want to know what I have so I can know what to do. Yeah. Um, that I think is my whole life summed up because I mentioned I grew up in a cult when we were talking earlier yeah. before, I think before the episode started and that, um, Christian religious cult in California used their religion to silence me. And my disease, unfortunately, is a lot of people who have it have sexual assault or physical abuse in their past. And they used religion to silence me. And then I used my indoctrination as a child to push through my pain because, you know, pain is is just part of life. And, uh, I heard a lot of let go and let God to the point that I violently react when strangers tell me that, like, I just want to deck them, let go and let God, God's not here. There's just me and I'm hurting. Hmm. Let go and let me help me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's made me a little bitter because I read some statistics about how 79% of people with endometriosis have said that they were sexually or physically abused as children. And I know a lot of people with endometriosis. So I've been asking them, hey, I don't want to offend for myself because this is my life story. Is yours anything like mine? And I haven't had a single person that said, nah, no physical or abuse or no sexual assault here. I'm good. Just random. They've all said horrific stories of their childhood. It sounds like you're you're really just looking for a community around what you've experienced. I desperately want any kind of community because I I don't feel safe in Christian churches. I've had a lot of bad things happen uh, even after I got away from the cults. I tried churches around the hometown I grew up in and there's not a single one I wouldn't burn down. Um, but I feel safe when I am around communities that are not what I grew up in. Mm. And so I visit a lot of communities. And when I was younger, I probably appropriated a lot of culture in an effort to comfort myself. And then as I grew up and realized, hey, maybe you don't put dream catchers everywhere because they're spiritually significant to a specific indigenous culture. And that's inappropriate. Um, I would get rid of them. And it, I think it made me feel very disconnected. Like, well, I don't want my culture I grew up in, but also I don't want to steal yours. And I don't know how to make my own without religion and without stealing yours. So I guess let's just go play board games and make art and hope I don't step on too many toes over here healing. Yeah, that's tough. You don't know where you belong when you don't have have a comfort 
from childhood to look back on. Yeah, that's something my therapist and I have really worked on. Um, because when my dad died four years ago, he died of end stage liver failure from a lifetime of alcoholism that started with his first drink when he was nine years old and his mother died. And I feel like when I say his story started like that, people give him so much more grace for all the bad shit that he um, allowed to happen in his own ignorance and indoctrination. Um, and I, for all his flaws, I really love the man. So I don't want anybody to hate him. Um, but the rest of the family, they're really fucked up and they never tried to fix it. So we can all hate them together. And <laughs> Uh, therapy really helped me figure out why I've behaved some of the ways I've behaved, why I push people away or why I allow abusive people in my life and having to deal with my disease and find out uh, so many of my physical issues are from childhood abuse has been really, um, I don't know not anchoring what's the opposite of anchoring because it's been that <laughs> anchoring I, your, it's the opposite of anchoring yeah um, like yeah, i feel like you feel like you're floating free floating yeah yeah, yeah. like uh, uh just adrift, adrift i feel adrift yeah. wow um and i i keep talking because now that i talk i find people on tiktok um i had some video laughing about still being with my husband have like 2.5 million people watch it because hmm. uh, they just thought it's so cute their teen parents are still together look at teen mom and dad growing up and now i'm just like if you guys only knew <laughs> you'd love us even more yeah. and the little tiktok community i have gen z man i fucking love them because anytime somebody's mean to me on tiktok those rabid little gen z fans will be like why are you talking to her that way? What the fuck do you think you're doing? I'm going to go in your videos and rip you apart until you delete your comment because you feel bad about what you did. Wow. Um, it is. If you're not on there already. Oh, I'm on there. <laughs> even just for the learning. I have learned yeah. so much on there. Uh, uh, TikTok is my all time favorite social media platform. <sighs> Me too. I love watching people talk about their diseases mm -hmm. or their happiness or what they're building. Um, it is such a soothing place for me because I hide a lot of content that I don't find soothing. And now all of my TikTok is soothing. And um, I don't know. I've learned a lot and I am currently talking a lot about my disease on there um, so that other people can connect the dots for themselves and then say, hey, uh, I'm going to a pelvic floor therapist for my endometriosis. And I think you might benefit from one too. Hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, uh, it's, it's comparing uh, access to care so that we can collate it into one document and say, check, check, check. Got the laparoscopic surgery, got the pelvic floor therapy, got the allergy testing to make sure I'm allergic to things and it's not an endometriosis inflammation reaction because that happened. Uh, got the physical therapy to help my back issues because the endo caused sciatic nerve something or other. And now I get to go to physical therapy um, and a chiropractor and just comparing notes and getting access has been life changing. Totally. 
I'm curious about the, uh, the your personal history with this disease. You've talked about how it was um, uh, pro- most likely trauma induced, and it seems yeah. you said you know the statistic of eighty percent of people with this disease have some sort of childhood trauma. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the? You know, feel free to be as broad or or feel free to say no, but do you mind telling us a little I, I bit? I want to talk about it, so, yeah. and I don't want to traumatize people. So yeah, well, people are I'm warned. Going we're going to talk about trauma, but I'm curious about what type a lot of, of trauma. What type of trauma you experienced as a child? So my very first memory of life is my mother taking my bowl of food and throwing it across the room and breaking it, and then she made me pick it up as a two or three year old. And I had to eat my food off the floor um, and throw the garbage away. And I don't remember how the story ends because for me, I just remember the terror of my food being taken and thrown and then having to pick out ceramic and try to eat it. And I know my older sister's first story is uh, boiling spaghetti water accidentally. And I'm using air quotes. Um, being put on her the pot spilled onto my sister and caused damage wow so um those are our first memories and my mom was so horrifically abusive to us as minors that my father got custody of us as i don't know like six i think i was six and so my sibling would have been nine Um, he got custody of us in the eighties in California. They gave this man two little girls and that just doesn't happen, but he got pages and pages. I used to read them in the divorce documents of people talking about how she abused us and her abuse, unfortunately, um, was what she endured. And I know now looking at her medical files that my mother probably had the same type of horrific abuse I had. And that's why she was that way. And I know her medical issues and that sucks real bad. And I feel so bad for her that that happened, but also she was a shitty parent that passed it on and didn't try to learn. So my dad got us away and he took us to his siblings in California to a area called Loma Linda. And they have the Seventh-day Adventist uh, Christian faith there. It's a very insular community. They'll go out and talk to people. But really, it's to show you that you're a dirty fucking sinner and only our Jesus can save you. And they are so anti-fun in my family uh, because of that religion. You're not even allowed to like really, you're not allowed to dance or wear jewelry. So like, uh, it's just not a lot of fun. and they use religion horrifically to abuse their children and hide it. Um, And in that community, one of my people was a doctor and she used to say things to me the way my mother did, such as, who, trigger warning, you listen to me, you little fucking shit, and you listen to me good. Or I will fucking kill you and I'll bury you in the goddamn woods with the other little girls named Amanda who wouldn't shut the fuck up and listen to me. Just like your mother always said. And then she would hit me or pop my cheeks. That's why my cheeks are pierced. Because who's going to pop my cheeks now if there's jewelry in them and they know that someone will see the damage they did. 
Um, and unfortunately, one of my uncles sexually abused me as a child. And I didn't know that that was inappropriate behavior because when I lived with my mother alone and my dad couldn't get us away from her, she stole language from us and she did not teach us words for our bodies. And my dad didn't understand what I meant when I said I have so many ponies because mommy makes us go do pony rides at the truck stop and the men give us ponies. He didn't understand that that was a little kid saying, I am being sexually assaulted. And afterwards, I'm given a My Little Pony as payment. So I know I've blocked a lot of it out. I know there's a lot of fucked up stuff. I don't know. I don't even know if it's at a truck stop or if it was my own home. But I know that the things that happened to me were so bad. I never let my own children be around people without me. And I taught them how to protect themselves when I wasn't there using a book called Protecting the Gift. Um, I cried about it on the internet that I was scared. I was screaming at my kids and going to turn out like my mother. And somebody was really kind and sent it to me in Japan. And I just, I read that thing like it was my Bible, that if I could teach my kids to trust their gut, like I didn't know how to trust mine, they could grow up without my damage and it would be okay. So this past month, my children have been telling me about the times they used me as a threat uh, when they felt unsafe around adults. And they'd just be like, oh, well, okay, let me make sure that's okay with my mom really quick. And they'd pull out their phone and they'd send me a text message and they'd watch the adult space while they were doing it to find out, is this guy okay? Is this person safe? Or did that make them look scared that I'm contacting my mom? Um, and my youngest son figured out before I did that I must have PTSD from something because I have never slept with the door unlocked um, when they were younger. I still don't sleep with the door unlocked. It took three years of being married to my husband, who is a good man, for him to be able to open the door when I was sleeping without me waking up, bolt upright in bed going, <gasps> and then looking around ready to fight. And we thought it was from growing up with my sister. Um, and now I know it's so much worse than that. And uh, yeah, it's all just been really horrific. And unfortunately, the that's the best of my worst, I can tell you. And it caused the endometriosis and other physical issues. I had um, sinus surgery without, I was wide awake for my sinus surgery three years ago because the drugs didn't work and I wouldn't let them give me more. I let them fix my sinuses while I was awake and talking to them. And that's from how my mom hit me. Like it, it messed up my sinuses so bad. And I had four and a half years of TMJ treatment from what they did to my jaw when they tried to make me learn to not speak about the abuse happening. Um, and I've talked to my cousins, so I know their physical traumas too. And I, now that I've talked to so many people, I can link my memories of how they were treated to issues they're having now. So like 
part of my abuse was to eat soap or to be forced to hold soap in my mouth until I promised to not be a liar again, except I wasn't lying uh, when they were punishing me. And I know now that the soap exposure punishment for years probably caused the throat. I have inflammation from my esophagus to my butthole. The entire GI tract is inflamed and um, a little bit damaged. And it's always been an issue for me. I've always had trouble eating. Could be from the endo, could be from the abuse, could be, I don't know. It could be a lot. And all of it comes down to I had incompetent care as a child and a lot of abusive people. Um, And I don't know how to talk about endometriosis without saying all of that. Like, and I hate for other women, other people, the connections that they might be making mentally now about their own childhoods. Um, because I have watched it happen with people close to me as they realize, hey, my bladder issues are from the shadow people that came in at night and touched in ways they shouldn't or um, whatever other health issue they have. And it's all just utterly horrific. Yeah. I'm so glad I get to talk about it. And I'm sad for other people that they can't see your face right now because you look so genuinely concerned and they can't see that I'm smiling while I talk about it. Well, I'm, and just, that's thinking, okay. I'm just thinking about a child growing up in that and yeah. horrific cycle of abuse. And then I'm thinking about who I'm talking to now, which is someone who is, you know, very obviously done so much hard work to break Thank that you. cycle and not pass it on to your own children and to and on top of that it's like not only were you abused so horrifically but it caused this permanent damage to your body and that's so insanely unfair so like how do you come how do you come to terms with all of this as an adult when you're finally free and you're finally you know you talk about running away when your husband joined the military and then it sounds like you're you're free from this abuse that you'd has a, as a child, but then you start to experience this medical gaslighting when you're trying to get help for what's going on in your body. So it's just like layers and upon layers, layers. of trauma. And mm-hmm. how do you function? Like how do you get to a place in as adult where you can even find ways to to experience joy? Um. So when I was thirteen and I tried to unalive myself and nobody noticed. I decided you don't like me enough to care that I just tried to do something stupid. Fuck you too. I'm a live out of spite and everything they told me not to do. I have done it. They told me not to hang out with, um, not white people. So those became my best friends and I learned how to change my language. So the phrases of my youth don't hurt them. Uh, They told me not to wear jewelry, and now I have a whole huge collection. Um, They told me to go to church all the time, and now I never go unless it's a building that feels safe and it's not traumatizing. And I think um, music really helped me a lot. I I said this one time at band camp, I met the love of my life. 
Um, and then in college, I had to keep track of how much media I listened to a day. And as it turns out, 24-7, the only time I wasn't listening to media was when I was at college. So it was 20 out of 24 hours a day. Amanda was listening to music or podcasts or something. And I think consuming so much happy content because I'm very careful about the things I put into my brain. It's already got so much fucked up shit in it. I consume happy stuff or healing stuff. And it gives me hope that um, I am not the things that other people did to my body when I was a child and I couldn't defend myself. I am an adult now. And I know because my friends at from Geeky Gamer Sci-Fi Conventions have told me that I have solved my trauma by rushing in to help people, even if it's putting myself in danger. Um, and I, I found out why my friends don't let me wander off at conventions because Amanda goes to corners of the room where people are doing things they shouldn't. And she gets in between people and says, hey, are you okay? And when the abuser or abusive person says something, I apparently tell them, I'm not fucking talking to you. Go sit down, bitch. <laughs> uh, and then I go back to the person that I feel is in danger and say, hey, are you okay? You want me to kick them out? I'll get security for you. <laughs> so I think um, I healed with spite and laughter and knowing that if I was miserable, they won because they're miserable people. And I know through therapy that hurt people hurt people. And that's something that we can acknowledge while simultaneously saying, hey, your support feels like a noose and I need you to let go of me now. It's not, it's not supportive anymore. Yeah. It's, it sounds like an overwhelming journey looking at it from the beginning, but you, you are an example of someone who embarked on that journey and came through it on the other side in a better place, which is proof that it's possible because I'm talking to you and you experienced it. Yeah. And I, I talked to a lot of people. I have always made old people friends really well. Um, My friend in Missouri recently won, uh, I think a city council position and he's phenomenal, but he was a radio personality for like 20 years. And he has these salons at his table where my husband and I could go sit with all his old people friends and I could ask whatever question I want. And somebody would tell me a story about life and tell me how they got through a challenge or just be encouraging. And I think finding an actual community that told me, um, yes, that's some fucked up shit that happened to you, but you, Amanda, are not fucked up shit. Um, man, they really did something to help heal me. And I didn't even know it at the time, but I send them all letters every so often. So they must be meaningful. Yeah. (laughs) And the power of chosen family versus the family you're born into when the family you're born into is abusive. Yes. And I, as something I found helpful last year when I was really just, I was so tired of being sad and depressed and not knowing why. I just bought hundred packs of cards on uh, online and then I would write a note to somebody when I was sad. I'd be like, well, who am I picking this time? Go on <laughs> Facebook, see somebody talk about their bad day and I would just send them a letter real quick. Hey, thinking of you, here's this piece of art I made randomly. 
hope you're having a great day and I love you. Um, or, hey, you remember that time at the convention that I was upset about something and you physically shielded me with your body so people couldn't see me crying? Well, as it turns out, I have complex PTSD from my childhood, according to my therapist, and that was more meaningful than we knew. Thank you so much for being you. And I think expressing such authentic gratitude in whatever words feel nice has made so many people um, feel better about their own bad life choices that they know somebody sees them as valuable now and that they have somebody like me in their corner cheering them on because I know for myself having people in my corner saying hey that sounds real rough I'm so sorry that happened to you I'll sit with you while you figure it out has made the difference. Like, I don't want people to solve it for me. I want to figure it out myself, but Mm -hmm. But it's so hurtful when you're, yeah, it's so hurtful when you're literally physically in pain and people are like, Oh, this is a little uncomfy for me to watch. Can you just go quietly bleed in the corner somewhere? Hmm. (laughs) Um, And I don't know the right words for it, but expressing boundless gratitude has been so nice and healing. Yeah, just having things to be grateful for is so powerful. Yeah, um, making a list. Uh, it's funny I'm talking to you today because one year ago today is when we put our our dog down and her name was Moonshine. And she was the dog I got for my husband's 25th birthday that helped raise our children. So mm. our youngest son turned 18 and two days later, we had to put the family dog down. Um, and I... I built a whole yard in my grief that's a certified wildlife habitat where I could go hit the ground as hard as I wanted because I was so angry all the time. And we have hundreds of birds now. We had a magpie family build their nest 10 feet from the back door. And for people who know magpies, that is rare. They do not like humans. And they built their nest by my back door where I could see it. Like, And they lined it with moon moons first. So... I don't know, boundless gratitude and figuring out this is some shit, but what can I build in it? Hmm. Yeah. Like I've got a shitty body. It's got some shitty things that were done to it. Um, and unfortunately, I'm the one here that's got to clean it up. So I can complain about it or I can figure it out and tell other people what I figured out. So when they clean out their own shit, they know how to do it a little bit more efficiently than I did. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, I know you're not a, a doctor, but do you know anything about the connection between trauma and the trigger of endometriosis? Has any research or anything been done around this that you've seen? Let me tell you about the research they do on endometriosis. Um, one of the studies I found was where they took women with endometriosis and men, and they had the endo with not endo women. In pictures. And then the study is that women with endometriosis are more sexually attractive than men that are not. Yeah. So it was, do you want to stick it in her? That one might have endo. Wow. That. And what? Right. What? When? What? So the correlation was that your hormones might make your breasts a little bigger, make your hips wider, whatever. And you got that perfect hourglass and all the stuff in all the right places. 
because of the hormones from the endometriosis. But the point of the study was women with endometriosis are more sexually attractive to men than women without endometriosis. So just people wasting time and money on, on trash, basically. Right. And like, not important things. Yeah. I mean, like we have these women who are suffering with this incredibly painful disease and instead of researching what can be done about it or, or the, the trigger or what causes it, we're researching something that has more to do with, with horny men. That's ridiculous. Especially with a disease that personally I think is caused by horny people. So, um, now I'm more curious. Yeah. Are there any causes that aren't sexual or physical abuse or like there was a different study that talked about the tightness of the vaginal canal of women with endometriosis and how women with endo are tighter than women without. And it didn't focus on how that might make it painful for that person to have sexual intercourse. It focused on that's a tight pussy. Great. You'll so, want to help it maybe not be in pain so that she can have an enjoyable sex life. So it sounds like a lot of the research is being done from the point of view of, of men and not from the point of view of women. Uh, I feel like that. Yeah. From being on Reddit and being on endometriosis boards, the men will come on the boards and be like, man, it really sucks that my wife has endo and she's not herself anymore. How do I get her back to normal so we can have a better sex life again? And I'm just like, did you ever stop to think that every time you stick it in her, it might be causing her physical pain? Mm. Like, maybe your better sex life is marital marital coercion. Um, and she's just saying yes, so that you'll stop harassing her. I know from talking with my own doctor that um, a lot of women do have intimacy issues. And... I don't because of the type of man that I married mm. and that because of my own abuse and trauma, when we started dating young, he has never so much as held my hand without asking me um, because I was so jumpy at people and it's just continued. So in the moment when we're being intimate, if something hurts, he's always looking at me, we can adjust whatever. And I have a very fulfilling sex life because of it. But a lot of women don't. And the research is just about how it makes the man feel Mm -hmm. instead of like, hey, we could get you pelvic floor therapy. And they've got these tools you can use to help figure it out and make things more enjoyable. The research sucks, man. It sucks so bad. So the research is lacking, it sounds like. And the treatment is lacking and the community is lacking. Yeah, my next question is about the treatment. So where are you at now? Um, for me personally, I had a partial hysterectomy in my thirties. And then recently I had a bilateral oophorectomy that removed the rest of my reproductive organs. Um, and so my treatment now is to continue to figure out the ways that endometriosis changed my body and address that with not my doctor, um, that fixed the endo. (sighs) Keep mindful that endometriosis can always come back and I take hormone patches now so that I don't have a cycle and the endo can't grow. Mm. Uh, Even though they removed everything they saw, 
it's like having anything else that can grow back. Like, yes, you took care of this little bit, but under the surface, it can still be there. It can still grow back. It's not a cure. There's only mitigation. There's no cure for this disease. Um, and treatment starts with considering your ability to have children later because that's what they care about. So a lot of women are made to be in, a lot of people are made to be in needless pain because the doctors won't remove the reproductive organs that are causing the pain. Hmm. Um, and, and you that, already have children and, yeah. you know, and adoption is always a, a great option for people who want to have children. Um, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. TikTok has taught me that adoption is not what I thought it was. So I would disagree with that, but that's not this combo. Well, now uh, I have to know what you mean. I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to send you some links because I'm on uh, transracial adoption TikTok. And there are some people who are very upset that they were seen as another option and their parents didn't treat them the way they should have. And I, I know so much more about adoption now because of it. TikTok, man, it's been mind blowing. Um, yeah, they, doctors don't like to see women stop having children. So even though my husband had a vasectomy when we were 23, I had a tubal um, ligation when I was 25. They still didn't want to take out any of my reproductive organs because you might want to have kids later. And I'm like, I had my first when I was 17 and nobody was fucking thrilled. And I had my second at 19. And again, nobody was fucking thrilled. What makes you think I want a third one? Like, I've got the two that I wanted and I don't want more children and we've taken steps. So can we just, I don't know, treat me like I know what I want to do with my body. Mm -hmm. And if I have a regret later, it's my regret to live with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and from seeing so many younger than me women talk about it who don't have children, uh, some of them can't even get laparoscopic, uh, I forget what it's called, where they go inside and look around. They can't even get a oh, laparoscopic diagnosis hmm. surgery um, because, well, it might mess up your something. And then what if you can't have children? And I don't understand why so much focus is put on a maybe man who wants to use your body or a maybe child you might want later and not the actual human in front of them saying, I am in so much fucking pain. I would love if you just cut me open and ripped out parts of me until it stopped hurting. Yeah. Like I had to tell my doctor that I had thoughts of suicide at the thought of having to endure another pregnancy for them to say, oh, okay, maybe we can let you have this thing then. Wow. Like, I shouldn't have to tell you I want to kill myself sometimes when my period's late. That's horrific. Yeah. So after, uh, after the, the surgeries that you've had, is your pain level down? Right now, I'm doing so much better. Uh, the most recent surgery was in March. So I'm still, I am not even a month out from that surgery <laughs> wow. yet. Yeah. And I can walk around better. Um, I can do body movements I haven't done in a while. I've lost 13 pounds and it hasn't even been a month. Uh, so I'm 147 pounds now at five foot three, five foot four. 
Um, my clothes fit so much differently. My skin physically looks different because there's no inflammation there, but also the, when you poke it, the texture of it that you're poking is different. Like it used to feel fluffy or squishy or something like Mm. it, it felt different pre-surgery. And now the actual flesh that I poke when I touch my arm feels different, like more itself. Like I used to, um, I can eat again. So, uh, all those allergy issues that were incorrectly diagnosis diagnosed with a bad testing from an allergist. Uh, I don't actually have all of those allergies. It was just endometriosis causing a rough time with my system from inflammation. So I am light years changed from even nine years ago. And I cannot imagine that the time that I lost in a young, healthy body because I didn't know what treatments to ask for. Um, and I think it's why I talk about whoever asks me a question, I will answer it, uh, without hopefully without trauma dumping on them because I so desperately want other women to get help. If they're my age or older, I want them to know that it's not too late. Mm -hmm. And if they're younger, I want them to know the impact endo can have on their lives, like how much pain they're actually in. I want to validate it is just as painful as you're telling everybody you deserve just as good of care as I do. Um, but it's expensive. We've billed $82,000 worth of procedures this year and it's only April and the bills haven't stopped coming in yet. And I can only get care at 39 because my husband has a good tech job and they got bought out by a bigger company that had better insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, so I talk about bills, but my out of pocket max is only $2,350. And I say only because it used to be about 10,000 and there was no way I could afford that. But 2350, well, we made sure that this year's the year and I hit the (laughs) ground running. And now I'm just like, God damn, if I'd had the money before or the experts or the access. Um, And since I know so many people don't, I want to keep talking and tell them trickle down healthcare, I suppose. Here's what worked for me. And even if you never have a doctor diagnose you, here's what might work for you. Wow. I can't believe what you've yeah. been through, but I, I'm i so glad that you're in a better place now. I mean, what a powerful story of surviving. And You are the first person I talked to about it, actually. So um, I really appreciate everything, your kindness, your concern, your nice faces you make when (laughs) people are pouring out their trauma to you with a smile on their face. Um, I appreciate that you took something that is causing you difficulties and turned it into a way to help other people. Well, thank you so So, much. I, you know, I think we're feeling something similar where we've been through so much that felt so unfair and we just want the next wave of people going through something similar to have an easier time because there's someone talking about it and someone sharing what they've been through. Um, yeah. And what you've been through is horrific. I mean, isn't it un- unbelievably horrific? And I'm, I'm writing a book. I know a lot yeah. of horror authors. I've never been able to read. Um, like I know Brian Keene. I met him at a convention in 2010. 
amazing man. There's this man named Brass James White, amazing author and human. And I've never read their books. They give me so many. They sign their names when I see them. And I have never read a single one because I'm so terrified of horror stories. And now they're both just like, yeah, so, you know, you're one of us. You know that now, right? Like they've always for the last 12 years told me I was an author. And I was like, no, I'm not. Hmm. And now I'm like, yes, I'm an author. I write horror stories that are based on my life. (laughs) Yeah, you've lived a horror story. I lived yeah. a horror story and um I made a lot of magic out of it. Well, the the message of the story is one of hope because yeah. you made it and you're doing better and you finally got the care you deserved all along. And on top of that, I just keep thinking about how you didn't have you don't have this culture to fall back on. Like you don't have any family culture. But Mm-mm. you do have this incredible partner that you've had since you were 16. Yeah. And that is so rare. And to, to, not, to not only have this incredible person by your side, but to grow together and to, you know, yeah. be able to unravel some of the trauma that you've experienced before then because of the support of this person. Like that, that is, you two have a culture of your own, you know, and that is so special. Uh, thank you. I, I have written about him on the internet since I was 19 and I have had, <laughs> So many people who don't understand what we've been through say such rude things for how we got our start in life because they they just don't understand and they're rude in their ignorance. Um, And I stopped sharing for a little bit, but then I started sharing again and all my friends are just like, oh, he's so amazing. How did you find him? And I'm like, we made ourselves. There's no finding. Um, Our marriage was an active choice. Uh, I told you we got married when we were 17. And he promised me forever. He meant it. And I promised him a year. I told him, (laughs) I can give you a year. And like, I know a lot of people were upset by that. Why the fuck are you getting married if you can only promise a year? And I was like, I'm only promising me a year. Like, I don't know that I want to be here for next year. So I might just cut out of the movie early. So I'm giving him what I can promise him because maybe it's just too painful to survive another year. Mm. Um, and people didn't see it that way. They saw it as, well, she's not committed to marriage. And well, I, you're no. giving a year and that's, that's the most you've ever given anyone. It sounds like. Right. Yeah. So uh, every year on our anniversary, we would just decide, are we staying married this year? Are we getting divorced while I still like you and can talk to you with a smile on my face? Um, And then after my dad died in 2018, and I had seen the absolute care my husband gave my dad, even though he didn't deserve it, um, I just knew that whatever fucked up shit I've been through, he's never going to leave me. Um, He's I'm never going to be too much. My health issues won't be too much. And I asked him for five. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take five years and then maybe at the end of five years, you'll decide your family not liking me or my health issues are too much and you'll want to leave. And he just laughs at me every time and he says, okay, baby, whatever you want. Um, (laughs) And I have like this whole collection of wedding rings from us choosing to stay choosing because so many people I know say marriage is a commitment for life and we're together hell or high water and we're you're not allowed to get divorced. 
And I have always said, you are absolutely allowed to say this bitch is too much and, and leave because I never want somebody to stay with me out of obligation. Right. And since we started with a child so young, I needed to know he wanted me. And knowing he wanted me made me able to work on whatever our issues were, even when we couldn't articulate it with the language we have now. I love the idea that uh, uh, some of the, I think, I think some of the happiest relationships are the ones that are every day is a choice to be together. Yeah. You know, you don't take yeah. that for granted. And when you start to take that for granted, you start to forget how lucky you are to have this relationship in the first place. And that's something that I strive for is to constantly be, you know, in my relationship, constantly be making that choice that like we right. want to be together. And right. yeah, I feel like that's been really good for us, but I'm only, you know, five, five, and a half-ish years in with my relationship. Um, I love that for yeah. you, though. Yeah. I'm curious, what are, the, what are the resources that you have found that have been helpful if someone else is, is struggling with anything similar and needs a good resource for help? Do you have anything you'd recommend? I really enjoy the website for the Advanced Women's Institute in Centennial, Colorado with Dr. Moore. He does ongoing research with his wife, they have done 40-something years of research. He is trauma-informed, and they have ongoing um, research studies other women with all of their parts can participate in. Um, and his website has been really helpful in figuring out my stuff. I also really like the endometriosis board on Reddit. Um, it's not scientific -y or anything, but it's other people talking about it so that I can learn things like it's not a women's disease. It's a reproductive organ disease mm. and non-women can have it. Um, but mostly I've just been Googling a lot. So I Google endometriosis and bloating or endometriosis and childhood sexual assault or um, whatever. Could this be related to endo? I just... I Google a lot and then I post about it on the internet and ask other people, is this your lived experience? Because this is matching up with mine and I don't like what I'm seeing. Um, I hope that somebody comments and says, here are some more resources that will help you because yeah. I am, I feel like I'm floundering um, and yet somehow still doing a good job because I'm tenacious. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, yeah, I I post uh, clips from every episode on TikTok, and I post the description on Instagram, and I also have the website, majorpainpodcast.com, and all three places are great places to leave a comment wonderful. with any any suggestions that anyone else has out there. I, I'm all about crowdsourcing help for yeah. people in complex situations with diseases that are not researched the way that, that they should be, and where resources can be hard to come by. And you know, and this, this so whole thankful. conversation is a new resource that someone else will have to listen to. And I, I'm so grateful for you to, to be so open to sharing because that's what I'm trying to create as a resource for, for people with any sort of disease. You know, I, I, I would love to have a podcast about every disease. I don't know if that's even possible, yeah. but that's like, that's my stretch there. goal. <laughs> um, oh, well, my man. last question for you is, you know, for anyone else who's lived a similar life with, you know, endometriosis and intense childhood trauma, um, what what do you want to leave them with? What is something that you can say to, that you think might be helpful to someone else on a similar path? 
Um, so something that I find helpful is looking at quotes that maybe help me feel a, a little bit better for the moment while I regroup and figure it out. Um, and I leave them around the house. So one of them is if you don't heal what cut you, you'll bleed all over people who are trying to help you. Um, and I held that really tight after my youngest son screamed at me, why are you fucking like this? And I didn't know. And I went to therapy and found out why I am like this and that I, I needed help. And the other one that my therapist gave me recently is life is a shipwreck, but we must not forget to sing in the lifeboat. <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm in my lifeboat and I'm just chirping along, hoping that somebody in a bigger boat with more resources says, Hey, that bitch over there needs help too. Let's go swim to her and bring her into our boat. Um, <laughs> so I think I would leave them with, please talk to people about it. You deserve to be helped the way I have been helped. And if you don't have people in your life who will help you, I am geek details on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Patreon. A new social media comes out and I am right there under geek details. And I always answer messages. I always answer my phone when it's people I, I don't know. I will talk to anybody in the hopes that my words make them feel better about their situation and they can get help from somebody a little more adultier that can help them more. Amazing. And I was just going to ask if you have anything you wanted to plug, any social media or anything like that. You just mentioned geek That's details it. on every platform. Every platform. Yeah, I'm rebuilding it. I, I set it aside when my dad died. I used to have the number one pin back button brand on Amazon. I made obscene amounts of money every month, obscene. And I just checked out after he died. And uh, 2022 is the year where I finally, four years later, feel like I can be creative again. So Pin back the band? No, pin back buttons. Like those oh, little, oh, oh, oh. Um, they have phrases on them and you stab them into your clothing. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so I sold those on Amazon, and I sold tens of thousands of them a month. Wow. That's how I helped pay for some of my treatments. Wow. So, yeah. Very cool. And I don't do that anymore, but maybe I'll do it again in the future. Still got all the equipment. So Awesome. Well, I, I will guess tag you. details everywhere. I'll, I'll tag you on uh, Instagram and TikTok if people... Who follow Thanks. the show want a quick and easy way to find you and Thanks. um what and tell us about your patreon oh so my patreon's new and it started out of um bullshit again i was talking on facebook to my private friends where i thought i was safe and somebody reported a bunch of my posts for bullying because they didn't like who i was talking about and what i was saying and i lost access to my facebook account i couldn't even unfriend people so in my moments of anger, I started a Patreon and just started moving all that shit over there. It's like, fine, I'm going to get smacked for saying it here. I'll go find it somewhere else. And so far, um, the way I've decided to do it, and it might change, is that all of my healing stuff, all of my how I 
dealt with it. Here's more info. Anything related to endometriosis is public and free. And anything related to my abusive childhood costs a dollar a month to come look at it. That way I know that they want to be there and they have to pay me for it. And um, I get a dollar to go buy ice cream with. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I'm so glad you came on the show. I mean, what, Me too. what an incredible story of survival and perseverance. And I, I can't imagine the amount of belief in yourself that you've had to hold on to just knowing, you know, this hurts and I need help. Yeah. There's something wrong to keep fighting through all of this nonsense for decades, trying to get the help decades. that you deserved. And it's just, it's shocking and it's horrific, but thank you. You know, it truly like, thank you. Cause I have had a whole bunch of people tell me to shut up about it and hearing outside forces confirm that it's shocking and horrific is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that it will be so helpful to, to people listening. I mean, anyone else who's going to find this, who has endometriosis, you know, to hear someone else talk so openly and so raw about the reality of what you've lived through is so valuable. So I'm so grateful for you coming on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I am also so grateful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, and Alexandria Henderson. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.